Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for Wait a minute, folks. You ain't heard nothing yet. Hello, Al Jolson speaking. Al, this is Ken Carpenter at the Kraft Music Hall. You're supposed to be over here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. We have a fantastic evening of programming for you tonight. We have the Bing Crosby Show, of course, with his guest, Judy Garland. After that, we have the Craft Music Hall with Al Jolson, Oscar Levant, and their guest, Edward G. Robinson famous, famous actor who starred in so many gangster roles and things. Very well-known actor. After that, we have The Railroad Hour with Gordon McRae and his guest, Victor Moore. So I think you're going to enjoy all three programs. The sound quality, this is probably, my guess would be, this might be the highest sound quality night we'll have all season. Because each show sounds fantastic. And I won't have that many more of the Al Jolson shows that are going to sound so good. There's going to be a little drop in sound quality, but not a huge one uh, on future episodes. Uh, The Railroad Hour, I did not know if I was going to be able to find the Railroad Hours, but luckily the folks at the Cobalt Club came through yet again and were able to get me some really high quality episodes, some of the best I've ever heard of the Railroad Hour. So I hope you're going to enjoy all three programs. But to start out with, of course, we have Judy Garland with Bing Crosby. He had Claudette Colbert last week, and now he has Judy Garland. He's just pulling out all the stops this season. Every once in a while in my podcasts, I get really excited to bring you something special that just can't happen anymore and isn't... uh, doesn't happen all that often even in old-time radio. This is one of those shows. This episode has as a guest Judy Garland and I've brought us a lot of episodes with Judy Garland and Bing Crosby before uh, and Judy and Bob Hope sometimes too uh, as well as command performances. But this one's special because uh, Judy Garland's gonna sing um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow and it's a beautiful version of it. It's very sparse, just her and the piano pretty much for most of it. And um, this is 1948, like I say. Uh, it's only like nine years after she was in Wizard of Oz. And when she does it in later years, she gets so much of that vibrato in there as she's getting older that it doesn't have the simplicity that it does in the film. And so other th- other than the, the film song itself, this is probably my version that I like the very best of this. Um, it's, it's really remarkable. So 
I hope you're going to enjoy that. And then also, Bing and Judy just go through and sing quite a few duets together of different songs. And just to think of the caliber of those two stars singing together, there's just nothing in that ballpark anymore. There's no one with a weekly show, uh, variety show like Bing had that, uh, with anyone of that caliber. And then there's just no one like Judy, uh, where both of them had these great movie careers, uh, in musicals and things. It just doesn't happen like that anymore. So you've got this rare combination of these two talents meeting and just bringing us something really special. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode nearly as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. Now with Judy Garland, he's going to be singing, he's going to start the night off with Love Somebody. Then he's going to sing Ramblin' Rose. Then Judy Garland's going to come out and he'll have a a great skit with Judy Garland. Uh, Following that, Judy's going to sing Over the Rainbow for us with Buddy Cole on piano. So that's it's probably one of my favorite versions of Over the Rainbow that she ever did. For Me and My Gal is going to follow that up. It's going to be a duet with Bing Crosby and Judy Garland. They're going to do a few duets in a row. They're going to follow that up with Who, which is another duet by the two of them, Embraceable You, and then Confess. So it's going to be a fantastic night overall. And to start us off, we uh, decided to grab the episode that Mindy uh, had introduced. So we get a chance to hear Mindy's introduction, and then we'll get on to all three episodes back to back to back. So, man, you're into for a great night of musical entertainment. Enjoy everything, and we'll see you next week. Here's a five-foot-two package from home, Judy Garland. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Hey Judy fans, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next up in our series featuring Judy Garland is her appearance on the Bing Crosby Show. This one aired October 6th, 1948. This one's funny. I laughed several times out loud between the jokes and then the skit. This is being recorded the day before Thanksgiving to give you some pinpointed context. And so I was wondering what Judy Garland liked to eat. Because you hear a lot of stories about how they dogged her about her weight. And girls eat. They just do. So what did she like to eat when she wasn't being hounded? Apparently she loved chocolate cake and ice cream. And uh, apparently, because of the strict, strict diet she was on for The Wizard of Oz, the granddaughter of L. Frank Baum was apparently on set and would sneak Judy mashed potatoes when no one was looking. And that's one of those stories that is so cute and precious. It's probably not true, but man, I hope that's true. That is a solid girlfriend move right there. Sneaking your mashed potatoes. I love that. 
I also found PBS has a blog called The History Kitchen. It's written by a lady named Tori Avey. And I didn't poke around a whole lot, but this one looks really interesting. Check this out, The History Kitchen. And she wrote about a book called What Actors Eat When They Eat! Exclamation point. It's by Rex Lees and Kenneth Harlan, published 1939. So the same year The Wizard of Oz was released. Judy's about 16 or 17, and she's in this book. There's a really cute picture, little bio, and her talking about this crispy vegetable salad. That's one of her favorite things to eat. And she wasn't really a fan of salad, but this one really won her over. And so there's like the whole recipe of how she makes it. And her tip for making your own salad is when you're putting the dressing on, use your hands. Don't rely on just the wooden spoon because you're not going to be able to feel where the dressing isn't hitting. And so to get it really coated, she recommends put your clean hands in there and just work it cool. <laughs> it's a good point. So that's how she prepared her salad. The actual dressing is pretty straightforward. It's olive vinegar, fresh garlic, paprika, little bits of sugar, salt, and uh, that's about it. I, you know, simple, but I could certainly handle that. So anyway, like I said, uh, just preparing for the eating season, I was just curious what what Judy liked to eat. And there you go. Never, never lacking for information when it comes to Judy Garland. So yeah, the History Kitchen on the PBS website, check that out. And you can easily find, I think, the uh, the Judy Garland post that they did. A lot of information. It was really, really well done. So 30 minutes of just a break from reality. Just something fun and light and wonderful. So from October 6th, 1948. This is Judy Garland on The Bing Crosby Show. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day Someone waits for me Welcome you to Phil Call Radio Time, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Conlon's Rhythm Airs, and Bing's guest, Judy Garland. And now on this cool, crisp October evening, we bring you the Harvest Moon, better known as Bing Crosby. Well, why can't... How come you liken me to the har Harvest Moon? Why for this poetic introduction? What well, you, you do remind me of the Harvest oh, Moon, Bing. Know. Yes, you're so bright and cheerful. Oh, well, that's true. That's absolutely right, yeah. And when you sing, your voice is as soft as its moonbeam stealing across a deserted cornfield. Really? Well, thank you. And you're so round. Just a minute, just a minute. I, I really lost so much weight this summer, I turned all of my old slacks over to my brother Everett. Oh, um, is he going to wear them? No, he's going to alter them. Oh. I'd better be back Monday, too, with every one of them. I didn't know Everett was handy with a needle and thread. He's had me sewed up for years. <laughs> and that reminds me, Ken, this year, let's not do a lot of jokes about Everett. If we can't say anything nice about him, we won't utter his name. Everett has just received his last ut. Ut, 
<laughs> this may lead to a drastic new form of entertainment, silent radio. Might be good, yeah. Of course, we can always break the silence with some music, and now seems a propitious moment to start. If the rhythm airs will festoon themselves about me, and John Scott will arouse his melody makers, we shall do the number one song on the cute parade. Love somebody. It's really cute as the dickens. <laughs> I love somebody, yes I do I love somebody, yes I do I love somebody, yes I do Love somebody, but I won't say who Didn't take me long to fall Now her picture's on my wall Water for my baby doll If she kissed me I wouldn't mind at all I love somebody Yes, I do Love somebody Yes, I do Love somebody Yes, I do Love somebody But I won't say who Oh, love somebody Yes, I do Love somebody Love somebody Love, oh, love, oh, loveless love Somebody in everything we find a flaw, even love, oh, love, oh, loveless love, loveless love. Oh, love somebody, yes, I do. Oh, love somebody, yes, I do. Oh, love somebody. Yes, I do. I love somebody, but I won't say who. Don't know why she acts so shy. Really, I'm a harmless guy. Hope she doesn't pass me by. Cause if she did, I'd die. I know I'd die. I love somebody. Yes, I do. Love somebody. Yes, I do. Love somebody. Yes, I do. I love somebody, but I won't say who. Love somebody, tell us who. Love somebody, yes, I do. You love somebody, but you never say who. If I told anybody, I wouldn't tell you. I like that tune, but I do feel the lyric could be more specific. That was a very nice commercial, short and to the point. Thank you. Now we continue. Uh, just a on minute. With the now show. hold it. We'll wait a minute. Now wait. Big no, 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 wait. We're going to stop right now. Oh, come because on. <laughs> I'd also like to tell the people about the new Philco phonograph built especially for the new long playing records. Long play? What are they? Long playing records? Well, Bing Modern Science has invented a new record that plays for 45 minutes. A record that plays for 45 minutes? Mm -hmm. That's going to open up a whole new field for disc jockeys. They can take in laundry between numbers. <laughs> While I'm getting my bundle ready, can you throw your bundle right in there? Well, who knows, Bing? Maybe next year's Philco's will do your bundle while they play your numbers. But meanwhile, Philco's opened up a whole new field for everybody who plays records. Philco's 1949 radio phonographs play two kinds of records. All your standard ones automatically, 
plus the revolutionary new long-playing kind that give you 45 minutes of music from a single 12-inch record. Not only that, these new Philco's assure you top performance from the long-playing record because they were designed in the Philco laboratories after a long program of close collaboration with the same engineers who developed the long-playing record. Now, you get this advantage only with a Philco. See your Philco dealer now and listen to the real thing on a Philco, famous for quality the world over. Here's my admonition to Rose, the rambling one. Everyone knows she's a rambling rose, she's a beauty growing wild. And I expect she's a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech, so meek and mild. She's got the kind of affection that just winds around your heart. You better run for protection. Or she might Deeper. upset Deeper. your Deeper. apple Deeper. cart ah. I hate to disclose that my rambling rose Is gonna meet her Waterloo I let her play, but she can't get away Cause I know just what to do Anyone knows you can train a rose To be a clinging vine so from this day hence, there'll be a picket fence around that rambling rose of mine. Everyone knows she's a rambling rose, she's a beauty growing wild. Birds in their nests seem to whistle their best for Mother Nature's favorite That just winds around your heart You'd better run for protection Or she might upset your apple cart I hate to disclose that my rambling rose Is gonna meet her Waterloo I let her play, but she can't get away Cause I know just what to do Anyone knows you can train a rose to be a clinging vine So from this day hence there'll be a picket fence Round that rambling rose Round that rambling rose of mine Just a rambling rose An inevitable time when we take the peep into the Philco guest nest, which this evening harbors a young, beauteous, and very brown-eyed songbird who has also copped considerable kudos for some sterling, dramatic, and terps of Korean clicks and picks. Judy Garland. Come and curtsy, Miss Judy, hmm? Thank you, Mr. C. Just look at you. Gosh, little Judy Garland. I can hardly believe it's really the little Judy I used to know. Oh, it's me, all right. Judy, I remember the first time I sang with you. It wasn't too long ago, and you 
You were just a kid in pigtails then. Yes, I remember how you kept admiring them. Mm -hmm. You were so jealous, even in those days. <laughs> what happened to those pigtails? <laughs> what happened to my pigtails? Yeah. I cut them off. <laughs> What'd you do with your curls, Bing? Paste them in your scrapbook? No, I pasted them in my hat. <laughs> My winter hat, too. <laughs> the old beaver fedora that I wear. Anyway, Judy, I just can't get over how you've blossomed. You've developed. You're a young lady, young woman. Young womanhood. <laughs> what did you expect, manhood? <laughs> no. I got to the queue. I came by way of uh, Ashtabula, though. Seems to me only yesterday you were a mere child. Just think you're a married woman now and a mother. Oh, well, don't be so surprised, Bing. It happens to all of us sooner or later. We all become mothers. I didn't. <laughs> you always were one to shirk work. <laughs> Confid confidentially, Julie, now, tell me. Tell me confidentially, yes, Judith. Yes, Are you happy with your new career as wife and mother? Why, well, I'm divinely happy, Luella. <laughs> Thank you, Susan Hayward. Let's see, uh, you had a little girl, didn't you? That's right, Bing, I had a little girl. Shirley Temple had a girl, Jean Crane had a girl, Betty Davis had a girl. Girls, girls, girls. Everybody's having girls nowadays. Yeah, well, we're just trying to balance up the score your team made, Coach. <laughs> see what you mean. That reminds me, uh, Judy, how old is Liza now? Well, how, how old is your Lindsay? That's what I'm getting at. I figure that if we can make a deal with my Lindsay and your Liza, I'd be willing to throw in the twins as household help. <laughs> Cut the lawn. Very handy kids. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm afraid Liza's too young to think about matrimony yet, Bing. She won't be ready to start looking for a husband for years. Well, when she's ready, can you arrange for her to do some window shopping over around my trap? <laughs> well, by the time she's ready, all your merchandise will be gone. It's real gone now. <laughs> oh, but they'll probably be married and living with their own little families and... Oh, say, Houston, Texas. Houston? What's the matter with right here in Hollywood? Oh, come now, Bing. Surely you don't expect Hollywood to still be here in 20 years, do you? Oh, it's got to be here. Where'll they make the 10th Jolson story? <laughs> I know, but the way they're, they're cutting down expenses yeah. and pictures and everything, mm -hmm. well, if this current economy wave keeps up, Hollywood may soon be just a technicolor memory. I heard they're dropping people right and left, but I thought it was just a rumor, Rumor? Yes. Nothing, no. They're even cutting down on the people they're letting go. <laughs> this is a shaky state of affairs, I want to say, huh? <laughs> but right, uh, can you imagine what'll happen if this economy wave spreads to the radio? Imagine breakfast in Hollywood would become just a snack in Azusa. <laughs> <laughs> or just a crawler in Cucamonga. Here now. <laughs> John would have to go back to his first wife or something. <laughs> The tobacco auctioneer could chant for a half an hour and wouldn't sell nothing to nobody. <laughs> oh, it'd be grim. Oh, awful. Awful. Imagine Gee. the effect the economy away, but economy away. But... Economy away, but the uh, economy. I tell you what. Where are you working? <laughs> the economy wave would have on all those quiz programs, Ben. Oh, cut them right to the bone. Yes. One night we're liable to tune in on our Felcos and we'd hear. This is Ken Carp welcoming you on behalf of our economy-minded sponsors to a brand new quiz program entitled Take It and We'll Break Your Arm. <laughs> this 10-minute half hour is sent your way with the compliments. This 10-minute half hour is sent your way with the compliments of smog cigarettes. 
Listen to what Mr. J. Scott Trotter, a tobacco leaf feeler of Felt Tobacco Leaf, North Carolina, <laughs> has to say about our product. Well, sir, I've been chewing smogs for nigh on to 40 years. <laughs> and now on with Take It and We'll Break Your Arm. Starring your genial penny-pinching master of quizimonies, <laughs> Happy Harry Crosby. Oh, thank you, Ken Carpenter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. A funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio. I had to walk. But enough of me and my problems. Let's get on with the show. This week, we're just loaded, just loaded to the gunnels with money and prizes. The same money and prizes we had last week. And remember, if you guess the answers to our questions, next week, organ music. <laughs> now, let us get along here with the first show. And who is our next lucky contestant tonight, Ken? And here she is, Happy Harry, this lovely little lady. And a good, good evening to you, Miss... Uh, or is it Mrs.? It's, it's Mrs. Mrs. Evelina Noodleslurp. That did it. <clears throat> okay, then. Here's your first question. What is the annual salary of the Vice President of the United States? Uh, mm, uh, $15,000 a year... Including tips. That is correct. Absolutely correct, Mrs. Yes. Noodleslip. Absolutely <laughs> correct. And do you see that beautiful new Philco refrigerator standing over there in the corner? Yes, sir. Well, you win a handful of ice cubes from that refrigerator. <laughs> ice cubes? The economy wave, you know. Well, well what, what do I get if I answer the next question? A beautiful vacation trip. A vacation trip? Mm -hmm. Where to? Well, if you answer the second question, you get a trip to Honolulu. Honolulu? Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Here it is. Chicken a la king was named after an English monarch who originated the recipe himself. Which monarch was that? Uh, oh, wait a minute. Um... Uh, King Edward VII. Absolutely correct, Mrs. Noodleslurp. And you win a one-way trip to Honolulu. <laughs> A one-way trip? That's right, and here are your swim fins. <laughs> but 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 a, but a one one-way trip? How do I get back? Well, you get on a quiz show over there. You win a return trip. But suppose I can't. In that case, Mrs. Noodle Schlurp, aloha. <laughs> well, this is terrible. This is terrible. Can I try winning something else on the next? All question? All right, but this is your last question. The big jackpot. That's what I'm waiting now, for. Now, on the jackpot question, you have your choice of prizes. Either $500 in cash, a presto cooker, yeah. or a mix master. Which would you take? Why, the $500, of course. Sorry, that's the wrong answer. Thank you. Thank you, Evelina. Hi, Judy. That was a pretty grim picture we painted of what could happen here if the economy wave ever engulfs radio to such an extent. Well, you never know, Bing. They're even cutting down on the money they spend for music these days. They keep giving us all the old tunes. Well, that's very clever. I love the old tunes. Those are the only ones I know. <laughs> Judy, while we got you here, I think we ought to sing some of the old tunes, some of those great songs you did in some of your pictures. Oh, that's a good idea, Bing. It may stir up some old memories. Stir up some for me, too. All right. How about this one from The Wizard of Oz? Oh, I know what that is. I know what's coming. I hope Buddy Cole's aware. Are you aware? Are you there? Let's have that piano. Somewhere in a lullaby somewhere over the rainbow 
skies are blue And the dreams that you dare to dream Really do come true Someday I'll wish upon a star And wake up where the clouds are far behind Troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly. Birds fly over the rainbow why then oh why can't I if happy little bluebirds fly beyond the why, oh, why can't I? That's lovely, Judy, very okay. sweet. How about you and me bending uh, on uh, me and my gal? Hey, I'm with well, you, kid. let's do it. <laughs> the bells are ringing. For me and my gal Birds are singing For me and my gal Everybody's been knowing To a wedding they're going And for weeks they've been sewing Every Susie and Sal They're congregating, baiting, waiting For me and my gal Parsons waiting for me and my gal And sometime we're gonna build a little home For two or three or four or more In love land for me and my gal Have we got time for a half a chorus of Who? Oh, that's a good tune, yes, Who. Sir. That ought to go over big. Certainly. We'll get mail from owls all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> what, kind, what kind of letters do you get from owls? Night letters. Aye, aye, let's sing it. This material has got to go on the floor. Get out. <laughs> Night owls. Who stole my heart away? Who makes me dream all day? Dreams I know can never come true Seems as though I'll ever be blue Who means my happiness? Who will I answer yes to? Well, you ought to guess who, who, who no one 
Well, it's cozy time now, Judas, so let's cuddle up with Embraceable You. Oh, it's too hot to cuddle. That remark was transcribed earlier for release at a time when everybody may be frozen blue. <laughs> let's sing that. Sing what? Frozen blue. Frozen blue, frozen blue. <laughs> these veins in my eyes telling you. <laughs> well, we better stick to Embraceable You. Being the boy, I'll begin it. Ma'am. What's the matter? <laughs> Embrace me, my sweet embraceable you Embrace me, you irreplaceable you Just one look at you, my heart goes tipsy in me You and you alone bring out the gypsy in me I love all the many charms about you above all I want my arms about you don't be a naughty baby Come to Papa Come to Papa do My sweet embraceable You That really was a very enjoyable few minutes. It seems like you sang all those tunes in no time at oh, all. Oh, no, pussyfoot around, Ken. Let's have your commercial in no time at all. I shall gab with the speed of light. Well, turbojet the whole thing, right? <laughs> well, Bing, it takes a turbojet commercial to keep up with the new developments from the Philco Laboratories. Right now, Philco has pioneered the most revolutionary improvement in phonographs since the record changer. I mean the phonograph that plays the new 45-minute record, of course. It comes to you straight from headquarters, developed in the Philco Laboratories, especially for the long-playing record. And what's that to you? Well, for one thing, it's the listening thrill of your life. For another, it's your assurance that Philco's new radio phonographs play the long-playing records the way they were meant to be heard, thanks to a new tone arm created for them by Philco. So visit your Philco dealer now. You'll get a kick out of enjoying all the music from a six-record symphony album or a whole program of dance or dinner selections played on a single long-playing record with new brilliance and fidelity. Figure it out for yourself. Doesn't your radio phonograph sound out of date? Compare it with the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. Oh, Judy, it was sure wonderful doing all those old tunes with you, but... I'd like to prove to people that we know what's going on right at present. How about doing a little duet on a current composition? All right, Bing. You mean something like Confess? Oh, yes, like Buddy Clark does it with that little girl Doris Day. Hmm? <laughs> right. Confess. Confess, confess. Why don't you confess? Say yes, say yes. I wish you'd reveal to me. Reveal to me. The way that you feel Why don't you tell me The way that 
you feel? Confess, 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 it isn't a crime. Oh, no, no crime. To open your heart to me. Confide in me. And say that you're mine. Why don't you tell me you're gonna be mine? How long can I keep waiting for a tender word from you? The sweetest rose starts fading when the sunshine won't come through. Confess, confess, confess. Please don't make me guess. Don't make me guess. If you really care for me, if you could care, then, then darling, confess. Reveal to me Reveal to me The, the way, way that, that you feel Confess It isn't a crime If you'd open up your heart And say that you're mine Confess, confess How long can I keep waiting For a tender word from you The sweetest rose starts fading When the sunshine won't come through Confess All right, I'll talk Please don't make me guess Don't make me walk If you really care for me If you could care Then darling, confess Confess, confess You're mine. Well, it's time now to thank Judy Garland for her charming and melodious visit and to make the following announcement. Judy Garland appeared by arrangement with Metro-Golden-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. With every good wish, I am sincerely yours, Leslie Peterson, director of radio. Oh, I didn't have to read all of that. What happened here? What happened? Oh, gee. Leo the lion's going to be so happy about it. I can hear him purring from here after that big announcement. <laughs> Who's going to be next week? Well, next then? week, Judy, is our big Vancouver, British Columbia show that we're going to... Send from north of the border. And we're taking quite a mob up there with us. Ray Milan, William Gargan, Joe Venuti, and, of course, Joe Venuti's violin. Oh, what a cast. I wish I could go with you. So do we, Judy. Well, have a nice trip, Bing, and so long. See you soon, Judy. Good night, kiddo. Good night. <laughs> Good night, folks. Thank you. This program was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in to Philco Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, the Rhythm Airs, and Bing's guests, Ray Milland, William Gargan, and Joe Venuti. And remember, keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the newest thing in radio from Philco, the leader.
Kraft Music Hall, starring Al Jolson with Oscar Levant, Lou Bring, and his orchestra and chorus, and our guest, Edward T. Robinson. So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Whenever April showers come. Folks, this is Al Jolson of the Craft Musical, and I'm going to sing a little song that if you haven't heard it before, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Baby face, you got the cutest little all. You got a baby face. There's not another one could take your place. Baby face, my poor heart is jumping. You sure started some odd baby face. I'm up in heaven. When I'm in your fond embrace I didn't need a shove Cause I just fell in love With your pretty raw, you baby face Baby face You got the cute all, you got a baby face There's not another one could take your place Ah, baby face My poor heart is jumping You should start it some more, baby face I'm up in heaven when I'm in your fond embrace You're just the sweetest can be You got me up a tree With your pretty eyes You baby face Baby face oh, You got to go oh, You got a baby face There's not another one To take your place Baby face My poor heart is jumping You should have started Oh baby face I'm up in heaven When I'm in your on embrace, it's like a breath of spring when Jolie sings about your baby Next week, folks, Enzio Pinza. Oh, no, really? Enzio Pinza? I thought I'd week? mention him in well, case our program ran over. Yeah. That's swell. <laughs> But no kidding aside, really, Al, in all my experience, I've never heard anyone sing like you. Thanks, Ken, but uh, just how much experience have you had? Well, I've been in radio a long time. I've worked with Edgar Bergen, Bing Crosby. Yeah, I know, and for the last year, you've been working for me. Mm-hmm. When things are a little slow, you take anything. You know how. <laughs> now, look, Ken, don't uh, be taking this job for granted. You haven't even taken the announcer's test yet, oh, you know. I beg your pardon, Mr. Jolson. Yes, sir. I got an A in Velveeta and B-plus in Cheddar. I did. <laughs> I guess you'll stay. Well, if you... <laughs> that was just a quiz. But uh, this is going to be the final exam. What's this? Come on. Read, read, read this little slip of paper. Right Go there, ahead. You mean yeah, let me see if you can do it. Yeah, well, right there, right there. Yeah. All right, let's see. The seething sea ceaseth, and the seething sea subsideth. Many men must munch much mush. How's that? that? Yeah, it's pretty good, Ken. But you should have emphasized many men must munch... Mm, munch much mush. Yeah. <laughs> you see, to do that... You got, you got to be, to do that, you got to be a real mushmouth, you know? Well, Al, I bow to your superior mushmouth. <laughs> I seem to be the best at everything. <laughs> Excuse me, Ken, I, I see Oscar Levant's at the piano. Right on over there. Pardon me. 
Oh, Oscar. Oscar, pardon me. Yeah. What are you playing? Nocturne for a mush mouth. <laughs> no, Oscar, really, I, uh, I, uh... I'm not kidding. What were you playing? Nothing special. I was just sitting here listening to you talk, wondering when you'd stop. What's the matter? Is there something wrong with the way I talk? No, I was just reminded of what Cicero wrote in his orations. He said, old age is by nature rather talkative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but Cicero lived 2,000 years ago. And don't say he was referring to me <laughs> Gee, Al, I'm impressed How do you know about Cicero? Oh, Oscar, I I've been doing a lot of reading lately, really Since when is Cicero in the racing form? Now, wait a minute, just a moment That ain't all I read Then what have you been reading? Periodicals? Sure, I read everything Periodicals, commas, question marks <laughs> Big words don't hold no premonition for me Why, I'm halfway through the Encyclopedia Britannica Yeah, when you were looking through the encyclopedia Did you find anything about Rachmaninoff? Yes, I did, strange It says there, Sergei V. Rachmaninoff What does the V stand for? V stands for Vasilevich, of course <laughs> Bravo And you a musician, you paskudnik, you <laughs> Well, anyway, he was born in 1873 and one of his most important works was the Rachmaninoff Concerto, which he especially arranged for Oscar Levant and the Kraft Cheese Company. <laughs> Al, did it really say that? No. But when I quote the encyclopedia, I like to improve upon it a little bit. <laughs>
Ladies, tomorrow morning at the food store, go straight to your dealer's display of cheese. Buy enough smooth-melting golden cheese for a swell dinner main dish. Say, for example, a good casserole dish, rich in cheese goodness. Now, the price of cheese is down, and ounce for ounce, there's no other basic food that matches cheese for high-quality, complete protein, for calcium, phosphorus, and other nutrients from milk. So tomorrow, get a smooth-melting, craft pasteurized processed variety, Kraft American or Old English brand, or get K-brand natural cheddar, also fine for cooking. Save money by serving swell-eating cheese main dishes often. Oscar, Oscar, just a minute. Pardon me for interrupting you. Do you happen to know a tree in a meadow? No, I live in a hotel. <laughs> <coughs> Never mind, Oscar. I, I, I feel like singing a tree in a meadow, so make like a meadow, will you? Believe me, if I were a meadow, you wouldn't be a tree in it. <laughs> There's a tree in the meadow With a stream drifting by And carved upon that tree I see I love you Till I die I will always remember The love in your eyes The day you come Upon that tree I love you Till I die But further on Down lover's lane A silhouette I see I know you're kissing Someone else I wish That it were me But that tree in the meadow My thoughts Always lie And wherever you go You always know I love you Till I die Oscar, that's beautiful. Say, by any chance, Oscar, when you were just playing that Brahms lullaby, could it have been for my baby? As a matter of fact, Al, it was. Yeah? <clears throat> I always think about little Asa. Oh, that's fine. I was wondering, why don't you enroll him in a college? It's customary, you know. Oscar, I don't care if my baby goes to college or not. And you know something? I don't mean this for flattery, but after hearing you play, well, I know musicians can do no wrong. They're just too busy for anything else. Guess you never heard about a fellow named Artie Shaw. 
I'm still going ahead and playing little Ace's life musically. <laughs> I can just see him when he's two years old. He'll come toddling into my room, and I'll sing to him. When there are gray skies, I don't mind the gray skies. I'll still have you, Sonny boy. Then one day you'll meet a girl. And he'll carry her books home from school. If he's your son, he'll be carrying her bank books. <laughs> Never mind, Oscar. And now Asa is going through the puppy love stage. That's a romantic moment, the first time a boy says, I love you as I never loved before. I love you as I loved you When you were sweet When you were sweet Sixteen Even if he is your son, love can't take up 24 hours a day <laughs> That's subtle, and I don't get it. Uh... <laughs> Al, yeah. seriously, if he's going to be a musician, isn't it time he studied music? You, you, you got something there, Oscar. I'll send him over to you for piano and insult lessons. <laughs> Good O. The first lesson will go like this. Yeah. Then the second lesson goes like this. Oscar, Oscar, wait a minute. How can little Asa play that well on his second lesson? Larry Park's son will be playing for him. <laughs> well, about this time, Asa Jr. has outgrown his puppy love and is thinking seriously about girls. He meets the granddaughter of an old southern friend of mine, Colonel Galbraith. Yes. And her name is... Liza, Liza, skies are gray. But when you smile on me, all the clouds will roll away. Right. <laughs> a little neurotic. Uh-huh. Uh... <laughs> Don't you think it'll be more likely that Asa will sing? I want some girls just like the girls that married dear old I didn't marry that many. Asa Jr. is now in college, and one day he gets me on the phone and he says, Pop, I need money. So I say, listen, Asa. The moon belongs to everyone The best things in life are free But Asa, Asa says, Pop! What'll I do when you are far 
away and I need move. What do I do? The poor kid. So I suppose you break down and send him a check. No, I don't want to support him. But when he's married and settled down, that's the time I'm going to give him a real, real gift. Probably an album of your latest recordings. Well, that'll come in handy, because the next thing we know, little Asa will be on the Kraft television show with old Matty Milnick and Milton the old lug singing Chinatown. Chinatown, my Chinatown, where the lights are low, hearts that know no other land, drifting to and fro. Dreamy, dreamy Chinatown, salmon eyes so brown. Hearts seem light and life seems bright in dreamy Chinatown. Chinatown. Where the lights are low Hearts that know no other land Drifting to and fro Dreamy, dreamy, oh, you Chinatown Almond eyes so brown Hearts seem light, life seems bright In dreamy, dreamy China Dreamy, dreamy China China Right now, the food markets offer a wonderful array of fall vegetables. Big baking onions, cabbage, cauliflower, eggplant, juicy broiling tomatoes, and plump green peppers to stuff with rice or macaroni. These are what we like to call the Velveeta vegetables because they all taste so good, served with a rich golden sauce made with Kraft smooth-melting cheese food. And what a good idea that is these days. What a bright idea for thrifty main dishes. Now, the price of Velveeta is down, yet golden Velveeta is one of the important protein foods. Yes, your smooth golden Velveeta sauce adds high-quality complete protein to your vegetable main dish. And what flavor Velveeta adds, too. Now, to make that rich, nutritious cheese sauce, simply melt one half pound of genuine Velveeta in the top of a double boiler. Then stir in one quarter cup of milk. Pour that glorious sauce over whatever harvest time vegetable you've chosen. A money-saving main dish the dad and the kids will really go for. Tomorrow, get plenty of golden Velveeta for sandwiches and for cooking, too. Remember, at your food store these days, one of your very best buys is Kraft's famous Velveeta. Hello, Oscar. Hello, Eddie. Got your machine gun with you? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just playing Edward G. Robinson tonight. I'm glad you're here, Eddie, because Al is sure looking forward to your visit. Uh, where is he, Oscar? Something new has happened to Al. Yeah? He's so scared of you. He's in his dressing room, shaking. Well, what's new about Jolson shaking? <laughs> Well, Eddie, he's expecting you to be like you are in pictures. Oh, you mean I've got to pretend I'm the uh, tough little Caesar gangster just to please the old boy, huh? Please do it, Eddie. Do it for Joey. He loves to play cops and robbers. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing for an old guy like that. Listen, he's not as old as he's cracked up to be. <laughs> he's just cracked up. Oh, 
whatever he is. Uh, here goes, Oscar. Well, so there you are, Jolson. You stool pigeon, you rat, you yellow-bellied dog, etc., etc., etc. Welcome to the music hall, Eddie. <laughs> what music hall? Where's the music? I've been singing. I still say, where's the music? <laughs> but, Eddie, I, I, I just sang some about Chinatown, and the people seem to love that. Oh, shut up. How <laughs> are you getting away on the program? Well... <laughs> That gives me an idea. I'd like to give away Oscar LaVant. Now, shut up, see? Eddie, what makes you so tough? Well, it's the cigars I smoke. That's what makes me tough. You know what my cigars are made of? No, I don't. Well, they take the tender cedar leaves and wrap them around a man who knows tobacco best. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, will you please do me a favor? What is it? You know, I, 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 I saw the picture Key Largo, and I want to know, what did you whisper to Lorraine Bacall? <laughs> Who wants to know? Hmm? Hmm? Who wants to know? Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> Bogart? How can you say Humphrey Bogart and Edward G. Robinson on the same breath? I don't know myself. As a rule, I'm a little short-winded. You know? <laughs> Bogart? Nothing but a cheap killer. You know, I don't think about killing all the time. No? I'm different from the other mugs. Now, you take the summer. I went to France, Switzerland, Italy. Eddie, Eddie, what did you do in Switzerland? Pushed a couple of people off the Alps. <laughs> There's no need asking if you had a good time because if you pushed now, a couple shut of... shut up, shut up, Joseph. Buddy, let me do the talking. Well, I had... Look, come here, come here now. Don't go away. Maybe you'd be interested in some uh, hot paintings. Hot paintings? Yeah. Hot I, oil, you mean? I got a... Michelangelo, a Rodin, a Whistler, a Rembrandt, and two covers from the Police Gazette. <laughs> Whose picture's on the Police Gazette? You and uh, Lillian Russell in tights. <laughs> Never wore tights in my life. Hey, uh, Jolson, uh, look, uh, how'd you like to take a gander at Rembrandt's marriage to Samson? You know the story, don't you? No. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Samson was the strong man with all the hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. People used to look at him and his wife and ask... Which one has the Tony? <laughs> come here, come here, Charlie. What are you trying to do? Be funny? No. I got a good mind to rub you out. Now, wait a minute, Eddie. You're just kidding, ain't you? You think so, huh? Come on, now, turn around. That's it. See this gun? Well, I can't unless I turn around again. Well, never mind. Take my word for it. I got a gun. Eddie, please don't scare me like that. Honestly, I'm not as young as I used to be. You were never as young as you used to be. <laughs> when you used to be. Stop the murder! Stop the murder! Gee, new programs spring up all the time. Now, don't interfere, LeVant, will you? I'm bumping off Jolson. Eddie, please don't. Eddie, please. Okay, I'll give you a sporting chance. LeVant, throw Jolson up in the air. I want to shoot at him. <laughs> Oscar... Oscar, you're not, you're not going to stand here and see him shoot me, are you? No, of course not. I'll go outside till it's all over. Oscar, tell him not to do it. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm the closest thing to it I have. Oscar, for everything we've meant to each other, please, don't let him kill me. Please, Oscar, please. Hey, Eddie, you better, hmm? you better lay off. The joke's going too far. Well, all right, all right, Oscar. Now, now look, Al, uh, I was only kidding. The whole thing was just a joke. 
Just a joke. Yeah, that's all it was. Just, Just a, a joke. joke. <laughs> well, why'd you tell me so soon? The first chance I get in two years to act without Larry Parks. <laughs> Are you listening, Harry Cohn? <laughs> I can act. I can act. Put me in a picture with Rita Hayworth. Put me any place with Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Let me show you a piece of acting. Get this. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. You can resolute and resolute till the cows come home. <laughs> but if any of you men touch a hair of that boy's head, your soul will burn in eternal fire. Or my name ain't Tillman Joy. <laughs> Oscar, why did you do that? I had to, Eddie. He was such a lousy actor. <laughs> Tomorrow or Saturday, when you do the weekend shopping, it's a very smart idea to get plenty of Kraft's famous Velveeta. This nutritious, smooth-mounting cheese food is one of your best buys in the food stores today because the price is down and because Velveeta is a bargain in nutrition. It's a protein food, a main dish food. And Golden Velveeta melts so smoothly, combines so perfectly with other food, it helps you use up the leftovers, too. You see, delicious Velveeta really helps you save money three ways. So tomorrow, a good investment at the food store is the two-pound Velveeta loaf for snacks, sandwiches, and most important of all, for cooking. Your folks will go for money-saving main dishes when they're rich with Golden Velveeta. Folks, the song I'm going to sing now is an expression of my love for my family and my home. I call it In Our House. In our house We greet the morning sun In our house We have our share of fun Look in and you'll know why the hours seem to fly until the day is done. And in our house, we have some friends drop in. In our house, we play a little gin. While someone on the floor you should have met before looks up with his big grin and in the quiet of the night a heart may shed a tear or two in time it turns out quite all right we know our dreams can all come true in our house, the joys that we know of, for all these, we thank him up above. We go our little ways and fill the fleeting days with the one we love in our house. In our house. Joys that we know of 
ba-ba-ba. We go our little ways and fill the fleeting days with the one we love in our hearts. Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And from Hollywood, here comes the star-studded show train. Tonight, your railroads through the Association of American Railroads present the sparkling musical comedy hit, Anything Goes. In our star-studded cast, you will hear the host of our series, Gordon McRae. Two famous guest stars, Margaret Whiting and Victor Moore. And a great cast of Hollywood featured players. The entire production set to the music of Carmen Dragon's Orchestra and brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and the things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae helping to bring you another in our series of musical comedy successes. Tonight, the Railroad Hour show train presents Anything Goes by Guy Bolton and P.G. Wodehouse with lyrics and music by Cole Porter and starring Margaret Whiting as Reno Sweeney, Victor Moore in his original role of Moonface McGee, yours truly as Billy Crocker, and a great supporting cast including Betty Lou Gerson, Ralph Sedan, Bill Demling, and Herb Bygren. Marvin Miller is our announcer. Our chorus is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our orchestra is presided over by Maestro Carmen Dragon, who is now playing the final strains of our overture. Here's Gordon McRae again, this time in the character of Billy Crocker. So from now on, anything goes. A very good friend of mine, the famous nightclub entertainer, Reno Sweeney, was sailing at midnight with her girls to appear at a very swank spot in England. So I hurried down to the dock to see her off. When I got there, the passengers were screaming aboard, the band was playing, and I began elbowing my way through the crowd looking for Reno. All at once, I saw her and her girls going up the gangplank, so I dashed up after them and yelled, Reno! Reno! Look who came down to say bon voyage. Oh, Billy, 
Billy. Billy, darling, I didn't think you'd remember. Oh, gosh, I wish you were sailing to London with me. Ah, <laughs> London. Why, I haven't even got the fear to Hoboken. E.J. Kitney's my ex-boss again, Reno. Well, what have you done this time? Well, remember the night I stood you up, Reno? Well, if this is that ridiculous story about being stuck in an elevator for six hours, I don't want to hear about it. Ah, but I was stuck, Reno. There was a girl in that elevator. Three eyes, maybe? Oh, now, Reno, you know what I mean. I took one look at her, and I knew this was it. For six hours, all I did was lean on that stop button and look. I found out her name was Hope, Hope Smith. That took you six hours? Well, you used to get a phone number in six seconds. Ah, but this was different. And Reno, for four days, I've been all over Manhattan trying to find her. Oh, she was an angel. Well, maybe I saw her. What color are her wings? Huh, Reno, you, you sound a little sore. Oh, Billy, what's the use of kidding? You know I've always had it bad for you. Ah, you'll forget all about me in London. Why, monocles will be dropping into your lap like butterflies. Just think of all the excitement ahead. What excitement, Billy? It'll be as dull as a London fog without you. My story is much too sad to be told. But practically everything leaves me totally cold. The only exception I know is the case when I'm out on a quiet spree, fighting vainly the old ennui, and I suddenly turn and I get no kick from champagne Mere alcohol doesn't thrill me at all So tell me why should it be true That I get a kick out of you Some like that perfume from Spain I'm sure that if I took even one whiff that would bore me terrifically too yet I get a kick out of you I get a kick every time I see standing there before me I get a kick though it's clear to me you obviously don't adore me and as I sing this refrain Tender note, Mr. Cole Porter wrote, gives me totally nothing that's new. Yet I get a kick out of you. I get a kick every time I see.
how can you tell a girl who's that way about you that you're in love with someone else? You can't. Yet you do the best you can, and if the gal's a pal like Reno, she understands. Just as I was about to kiss Reno goodbye, a man dressed in the clothes of a minister stepped directly in between us. <laughs> he looked and talked suspiciously like a fellow I knew named Victor Moore as he looked up timidly at Reno and me and said, uh, 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 Would you folks mind if I just stood between you for a few minutes? Say about 30. Watch it, Billy. Hey, Reverend. I was just about to kiss Miss Sweeney goodbye. Well, go right ahead. I won't look. But, Reverend, you're standing between us. Well, I don't like drafts. I'm supposed to meet a pal by the gangplank here. He's coming aboard with 50 grand. Uh, 50,000. You mean $50,000? Uh, yeah, for missionary work in Africa. <laughs> Little pygmies. Say, how do you get to be a little pygmy? Well, the first thing is, don't grow. Uh, Reverend, pardon me, but your suitcase. Huh? It's open, and I may be wrong, but isn't that a machine gun nestling among your socks? Oh, 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 oh. I, I must have that catch fixed. My gang, uh, uh, my parish gave me that gun... <laughs> As a going away present for wild tigers and things. Reverend, you better look for that pal of yours with the 50 grand. Yeah, I suppose so, but it was certainly nice and cozy here between you. Oh, feel free to drop in any time, Reverend. Yeah, and you do the same in my cabin. It's B1. I hope he makes a vote, because I just hate to travel alone. Billy, take the next boat over. Well, Reno, there's there's Hope. There is? I mean, Hope Smith. Oh. And uh, then there's my job. Well, I thought you said you were fired again. Oh, I was, but E.J. said he would hire me back if I found out who controls Bailey's Incorporated. He wants to buy it for $3 million. You've got a hunt for a guy you want to pay $3 bucks to? Why? Well, it's uh, sort of high finance. Somebody holds a stock that controls the holding company that controls the holding company that controls the holding company that controls Bailey's Incorporated. I'm sorry I asked. I never got past that first holding company, and neither will you. Oh, yes, I will, Reno. Well, okay, Billy. You better kiss me goodbye. Reno. Reno, look. Going in that door. Oh, Billy, what's the matter? It was Hope, the girl in the elevator, the girl I'm looking for. You've got to get off the boat. I can't lose her now that I've found her. Oh, Billy, you're out of your mind. You haven't got a ticket or a passport or clothes or anything. And what about your job? Oh, to heck with the job. To heck with everything. I'm sailing. Well, that won't go with your boss. Boss or no boss. When you're in love, anything goes. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Now heaven knows anything goes. Good authors do. Once knew better words, now only use four letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. The world has gone mad today, and good's bad today, and black's white today, and day's night today, when most guys today that women prize today are just silly gigolos. So though I'm not a great romancer, I know that you're bound to answer when I propose. Why, anything goes. Anything goes. Why, sure. You know, Reno. 
way back in the days of mom and pop. Well, I know what you're going to say, that anything went from soup to bebop. Songwriting used to be so lyrical, now it just sounds satirical with that. oop pop ba da en route to England, standing alone on deck at two in the morning without ticket, without passport. Over an hour before, I had sent a note to Hope asking her to meet me up on deck right away. And just as I was about to give up Hope, I heard the patter of tiny feet. Billy! Oh, Billy, I just got your note. Hope! Oh, at last I found you. Ever since that night in the elevator I searched for you, I must have phoned over a million Smiths. I got nickel happy. I didn't give you my telephone number for a reason. Reason? What reason? Our souls touch between the sixth and seventh floors of the Ritz Plaza Hotel. Oh, but there are reasons, very good ones. I'm sailing with my mother and Sir Evelyn Oakley, my fiancé. You're what? We're going to be married in England, Billy. Oh, now, darling, you can stop all this nonsense about a fiancé and marriage right now. It's not nonsense. Family, business, money, you can't know how important my marrying Evelyn is. Well, you, you forgot about it one night in an elevator. And you're gonna forget it again because tonight we've got a moon, a very beautiful moon. This is so silly and hopeless. Why, I don't even know the first thing about you. Oh, yes, you do. The first thing about me is that I love you. Why, you've been with me every night since the first night I saw you. All through the night, I delight in your love.
Kiss me, sweetheart. It's even better than I dreamed. But a dream is all that can ever be between us, Billy. Now I must go. With that moon shining down on us like that? Oh, hope you can't. Well, if I stop to think twice. Well, don't think twice. Think once. Then I'll stay. Oh, darling. And then once again will I know I was right staying so close to you. back with Anything Goes in just a moment. But first, here's a reminder. As you know, America enjoys the services of many forms of transportation and finds use for them all. But there is nothing in existence and nothing in sight that could take the place of railroads in handling transportation requirements so varied and so vast as those of America. That may be one reason why General Brehan Somerville, who during the recent war was in charge of the whole tremendous business of supplying the United States Army, called the railroads the backbone of our transportation system, and declared that, quote, they must be maintained and developed primarily against the day when we should again have to call upon them to implement the defense of these United States. End of quotation. What General Somerville said about the railroads in the emergency of war is just as true in time of peace. For America's basic transportation runs on rail. And now back to Anything Goes and Gordon McRae as Billy Crocker. All through the night with hope by my side, I, I didn't worry at all. But in the cold gray light of dawn, I remember that I had no money, no clothes, no ticket, and no passport. I also remember the Reverend Moon. So I dashed below and burst into the Reverend's stateroom. Uh, all right, now, don't shoot, don't shoot. I'll come quietly. <laughs> Why, what's the matter, Reverend? Oh, it's you. I, uh, I was expecting someone else. Well, you, you said I could use your cabin if your pal didn't show up, and, uh... Oh, I'm awfully glad to see you. He didn't show up, and I've been very, very lonesome. Well, I, I don't know how long I'll be here, Reverend. I, I haven't a ticket or anything. Oh, I can fix that up for you. Here's my pal's ticket, and here. Here's his passport. That's big of you, Reverend. Well, I am big in a small way. <laughs> uh, What's the matter? Anything wrong with the passport? Well, uh, Reverend, I, I don't mind posing as James Hill, but this picture... Oh, yeah. Well, we can give you that scar with a knife. 
I can broaden out your nose if you just let me jump on it once or twice. Now, listen, if anybody's going to jump on my nose, I'll do it myself, Reverend. Well, I have a little confession to make to you. I'm, uh, I'm not a reverend. Well, don't worry. Maybe you'll be promoted next year. Now, let's see. The uh, first thing I have to have is uh, something to wear besides this tuxedo. Now, you don't understand. This may be a shock to you, but I'm Moonface McGee. <laughs> Your face is fine with me, Reverend. Uh, where could I get a suit? Uh, just a minute. I'm a crook. I'm public enemy number 13. <laughs> of course, it's just a temporary rating. That Washington crowd has got it in for me. I should at least be number nine. Uh, or, uh, well, 10 or 11, maybe. <laughs> Reverend, please, I've, I've, I've got a lot on my mind. Are you listening to me? I'll blow your head off. Huh? What? Hey, Reverend, don't point that machine gun at me. I guess you'll believe I'm Moonface McGee now. This is my old friend, Putt-Putt-Putt. Well, Putt-Putt-Putt it down. <laughs> You're my pal. I, I wouldn't give you away, Reverend. Oh, just call me Doc. Okay, Doc. Now, don't be afraid. I got Putt-Putt-Putt right here in my hand. <laughs> come, 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 come in. Say, what's going... Wow! Lay that machine gun down, Reverend. Reno. You might as well know, I'm Moonface McGee. I'm a very dangerous man. All right, so you're dangerous. What gives, Billy? Well, number one, I've got to get some clothes so I can get up on deck and see Hope. Oh, that's easy. Swipe yourself a sailor suit. There's a dozen of them hanging out in the poop deck. At least, I think I mean poop deck. <laughs> Say, I think I could use you in, in my line of business. You always come through, Reno. Let's see, Billy... I'd say you take about a size 40. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Oh, Doc, you're a saint. Now, don't say that to Public Enemy 13. <laughs> it's subversive. Billy, what goes with Hope? Oh, it's not so good, Reno. She's going to England to marry one Sir Evelyn Oakley. Oh, that must be Mr. All Teeth and No Chin I just met up on deck. Would it help any if I sort of got next to him, Bill? Oh, would it help? Oh, what a pal you are. Gee, I... I don't know how to tell you, Reno. Well, don't try it, Billy. Let me. Add words poetic. You're so pathetic that you always have found it best. Instead of getting them off your chest, you let them rest unexpressed. I hate parading my serenading, as I'll probably miss a bar. But if this ditty is not so pretty, at least let me tell you how great you are. You're the top. You're the Coliseum. You're the top. You're the Louvre Museum. You're a melody from a symphony by Strauss. You're an Ascot bonnet, a Shakespeare sonnet, you're Blanding's house. Oh, you're the Nile, you're the Tower of Pisa, you're the smile of the Mona Lisa. I'm a worthless check, a total wreck, a slob, but if, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. You're the top. Mm -hmm. You're expensive candy, you're the top. You're Napoleon Brandy. 
You're the purple light of a summer night in Spain. You're the National Gallery, you're Crosby, Salary, you're Cellophane. You're sublime, you're a turkey dinner. You're the time of the Derby winner. I'm a toy balloon that has faded soon to pop. But if baby on the bottom, you're the top. You're the top. You're a walnut salad. You're the top. You're a Merlin salad. I'm just in the way, as the friends would say, to drop. Oh, I still, oh, I still feel on the bottom. While Reno and I were busy patting each other on the back, the Reverend Moon had raided the clothesline and came back carrying a sailor suit over his arm. Well, Abe, uh, the only one I could get my hands on was size 48. But maybe it'll give you a sort of a full draped effect. Moon face, I could kiss you. Oh, right here in front of Miss Sweeney. Oh, Billy, you're going to look cute in a sailor suit. Try it on. Oh, I don't care how I look, just so I can talk to Hope. What's happening? Uh, I've been afraid of this. We may have to shoot our way out of here. I've got putt, putt, putt already. Doc, put down that gun. All right, hands up, Snake Eyes. We've got you covered. Hello, Captain. Oh, Reverend, good work. I see you got hold of his machine gun and got him covered. Captain, what's going on here? That man you thought was a friend, Miss Sweeney, is none other than public enemy number one. <laughs> but this is ridiculous. Aren't you traveling on a passport made out to one James Hill? Yes. Well, I just received a radiogram from Washington informing me that James Hill is just an alias for Snake Eyes Johnson. Oh. All right, men. Take him to the brig. Now, just a minute, Captain. Yes, Reverend? There's good in every man, even Snake Eyes Johnson. What would putting him in the brig do but keep him from seeing hope? I mean, having hope. I mean, uh... Keep working, Doc. I'm with you. Moonface, I love you. It'll be a sacrifice, Captain, but for the rest of the trip, I'd like you to hand over Snake Eyes to me. And maybe by the time we get to London, he'll be the kind of a man I am. Well, hallelujah! Well, this would be highly irregular. I feel like a better man already, Captain. Well, there you are. There's good in everybody, just like there's sin in everybody. Are you without sin, Captain? Well, now that you mention it... We've all got sin, but we can cast it out. I'm going to search your hearts, folks. You tell them, Reno. Do you hear that playing? Yes, I hear that playing. Do you know who's playing? No, who is that playing? Why, it's Gabriel, Gabriel playing. Gabriel, Gabriel playing. Gabriel, Gabriel saying. Gabriel, Gabriel saying. Will you be ready to go when I blow my horn? Blow, Gabriel, blow. Go on and blow, Gabriel, blow. I've been a sinner, I've been a scamp, but now I'm willing to trim my lamp. Blow, Gabriel. I was low, Gabriel, low. That's mighty low, Gabriel, low. 
goodbye day and a goodbye night to blow Gabriel blow. Once I was headed below. I heard you blow it on your horn once more So I said, Satan, farewell And now I'm all ready to fly Yes, to fly higher and higher and higher Cause I've gone through the brimstone And I've been through the fire And I've purged my soul and my heart too So climb up the mountains top And start to blow, Gabriel And start to blow Go on and blow, Gabriel Go on and blow, Gabriel, blow I wanna join your happy band and play all day in the promised land of love. You're all too full of expensive dinners. Stand up on your lazy feet and sing. Come on and blow, Gabriel, blow. Go on and blow, Gabriel, blow. I've been a sinner, I've been a scamp, but now I'm willing to dip my lamp. So blow, Gabriel, blow. And now we're brimstone and I've been through the fire and I've purged my soul and my heart too so climb up the mountain top and start to blow Gabriel blow Gabriel blow I was sure that everybody would give me the cold shoulder when they thought I was Snake Eyes Johnson and Public Enemy Number One. Instead, the girls flocked around me up on deck like bees around honey. Mr. Johnson, may I have your autograph? Mr. Johnson, you kiss me, please, honey. Get your place in line. There's no waving over here in line. Tell us about your early life, Mr. Johnson. I was just beginning to enjoy myself and getting all set to tell him I was born with a silver gat in my mouth when I looked up and there, standing before me, was my sweetheart, Hope and her charming fiancé, Sir Evelyn Oakley. I say, Hope, what is going on? Nothing of importance, Evelyn. Let's get out of here. Hope. Clamor, Billy. No, wait a minute, Hope. I'm not public enemy number one, two, three, or four. What? I'm just Billy Crocker, out of a job, out of money, out of everything, but nothing matters so long as I get the girl I love. Oh, but that's impossible, Billy. Man, throw this imposter in the brig. Wait I'm a minute. Just a minute. Yes, Reverend. If you want a real public enemy, Captain, I can help you out. You? Oh, yes. I'm not a Reverend at all. I'm Moonface McGee. Uh, and uh, who is that? You haven't heard of Moonface McGee? <laughs> Why, I'm public enemy number 13. I'd be much higher if it weren't for that crowd in Washington. <laughs> so if any of you girls would like to kiss me or cut off a button or two for a souvenir, well, here I am. 
Don't be bashful, anybody. Men, throw both these bums in the brig. <laughs> Don't worry, Hope, darling. I'm not going to give up yet. I'll find some way to get out, and what's more, I'll, I'll find some way to stop your marriage to Sir Evelyn, too. Oh, too late for that old thing. Our train leaves 20 minutes after we dock. Your train? That's right, darling. But it isn't right, darling. It isn't right at all, because... You'll get no kick in a train Planning to marry some Tom, Dick, or Harry I get a kick out of you. As General Somerville said in the speech I quoted to you a few minutes ago, our railroads must be maintained and developed as an essential element of our national defense. And these same railroads are the main arteries of American commerce. Since the recent war, they have carried more passenger travel. They have moved more tons of freight, more miles. They have gotten more service out of each freight car than ever before in time of peace. In doing so, they have set new all-time records in the amount of transportation service turned out by the average freight train, all as part of America's unprecedented go-ahead drive toward maximum production and better living. As their part of this drive, the railroads are spending a billion dollars a year on new cars and engines, new tracks and signals, new plant and equipment of every sort to provide better and better service for you. In getting these new things, railroads have met the same sort of shortages and difficulties which have kept you from getting all the new things you would like to have. But the new passenger cars which were ordered during and just after the war are coming into service. More and more each day, we are seeing luxurious new coaches and sleeping cars, new dining and lounge cars, new streamlined trains on the rails. And the all-important freight car fleet is growing. Since the war, nearly 200,000 new freight cars have been put in service, but still more are needed, and the railroads are making every effort to get them. They have ordered another 100,000 new cars, enough to keep all the car builders busy for a year to come. So right now, with the year's peak movement of freight with us, the railroads are not only working to meet today's needs, but are planning and preparing to meet any greater emergency which might be ahead. <laughs> We'll return to Anything Goes in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. And here again is Gordon McRae in the character of Billy Crocker. Four days, Moon and I sat on the brig together. I knew we must be in England, but nobody came to tell us. And Moon spent most of his time trying to peek out the tiny porthole. Suddenly, his voice held a small ray of hope. Yep, yep, we're in England, all right. Somebody lifted the fog, and I can see a teeny-weensy piece of the dock. Well, you better make it a good look. 
That's about all we'll ever get to see of England on this trip. Uh, Billy, cheer up. Maybe we're looking on the dark side too much. Oh, Doc, the only thing that can help me is seeing hope. The note she sent me is breaking my heart. Now, Billy, don't read that note again. You know, I cry easy. <laughs> but I've got to read it. Listen. Darling Billy, I, I understand everything, but nothing can be done. <laughs> oh, Billy, please. I love you, but I'm marrying Sir Evelyn. Forget about me, but always love me. <laughs> I told you not to read that again. <laughs> I gotta get out of here, Doc. Somehow, someway, I've got to get to hope. What's that? Swine, Miss Sweeney. Well, thank you, guard. Hello, boys. Here's the first cake I ever baked to cheer you up on your way back to New York. What do we want a cake for at a time like this? Yeah, what for? Uh, what flavor is it? Well, it's, um, it's pistachio. Ah, that's one flavor I can't stand. Well, it's not exactly pistachio. It's more, um, caramel meringue orange. Take the cake. It looks terrible. What's that big lump in the center? Take the cake. We don't want that mouth-eating piece of pastry. Nah. Take the cake. Uh, your, your time is up, Miss Sweeney, and I guess you ain't sorry, huh? Oh, they're just a little stir-crazy, that's all. Maybe it'll help if I sing them an old song. We don't no, want to hear any old don't. songs. Well, you're going to hear this one. It goes, take the cake. There's a file right in it. Take the cake. You'll be out in a minute. Oh. You're quite a dame and you'll win your fame on earth as a gorgeous spy in the FBI. Or Leavenworth. <laughs> All the time Moon and I were trying to file our way out of the brig, I was picturing Hope and that buck-toothed fiancé of hers, Sir Evelyn smug and serene in his feudal English castle getting ready for their marriage ceremony. Oh, dear, dear. Well, hope, old girl. Now you've seen Oakley Manor, and in an hour you'll be the mistress of it. I know, Evelyn. Frankly, I couldn't be unhappier. Neither could I. Uh, you see, old dear, I met a gal on board ship named Reno. We spent a good deal of time in a lifeboat together. Well, that's all right, Evelyn. You see, there was a boy on board ship, too. His name was Billy. Oh, oh fortunate we all didn't head for the same lifeboat. What? <laughs> well, yes, I guess... Oh! Uh, what's the matter? Oh, that, that, that face at the uh, French door. Oh, it's just me. Come on, kids, it's all right. Oh, Billy. Hope, darling. And Reno. Oh. Evie, I've missed you and all those lovely teeth. Oh. <laughs> Isn't there anybody for me? I've got news for you, Evie. You're not marrying Hope. Oh, fine with me, old boy. <laughs> but impossible, I'm afraid. My Peter and Hopey's mate are working on the deal right now. Deal? What kind of deal? Well, you see, my Peter controls Grayson's Limited. And when I marry Hope, he also gets control of Bailey's Incorporated. Bailey's Incorporated? Hope, what have you got to do with Bailey's? Well, my father left me stock that controls the holding company, that controls the holding company, that controls the holding company, that controls Bailey's. You? 
Hope, Hope, darling, you're the one I've been looking for. Billy, I know you love me, but Evelyn's father's paying $50,000 for that stock. $50,000. Look, do you know what I've got right here in my pocket? Right here I have a contract from Kitney, 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 and I hope someday Crocker offering $3 million for that stock. Oh, oh, oh I say, isn't this jolly? Oh, uh, now you don't have to marry me, Hope. Oh, Reno. Is there something bothering you, Evie? Oh, dear, dear. Uh, Would you consider becoming Lady Oakley? Would I? Uh, I'm just sorry my old man isn't here. He said I'd never be a lady, but I made it. <laughs> well, you know, we might spend the honeymoon in the lifeboat. What? <laughs> Uh, this is all peachy, but I'm wondering if I could use the same hideout you're going to, Billy. I get awfully lonesome. Hideout? Well, you're in England without a passport, and by now I'm probably way up on the list of public enemies. <laughs> I've been working awful hard. Well, I don't understand it. I cabled the State Department about you both this morning, but I haven't got an answer. Oh, dear. Possibly that's what this wireless for you is, Hope. I uh, thought it might be congratulatory, and I didn't want to depress you. Here, I'll read it, Evelyn. Oh. Yep, here it is. Temporary passport granted William Crocker. Anything about me, Billy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something about you, too, Doc. Pretty bad, huh? Well, go ahead and read it to me. It says, Moonface McGee, off public enemy lists entirely. Not wanted anywhere, absolutely harmless. <laughs> Let me say that. I just don't understand this administration. <laughs> well, don't worry, Doc. Hope and I want you to be best man at our wedding. Oh, oh might as well make it a double wedding. What? <laughs> well, fine. I'll bring put, 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 and make it a double-barrel machine gun wedding. Oh, Hope, darling, we're going to be so happy. And then, once again, will I know I was wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gordon McRae giving a special vote of thanks to our two guest stars this evening, Miss Margaret Whiting and Mr. Victor Moore, and to the other members of tonight's cast for their fine performances in our production of Anything Goes, which was adapted for radio by Don Etlinger. Next week, our star-studded show train will arrive in the same tracks at the same time. On board will be the Metropolitan Opera star, Miss Reza Stevens, Mr. Fortunio Bonanova, and we have also invited Mr. Adolph Manjou to join me in bringing you the famous Jerome Kern operetta, The Cat and the Fiddle, with our chorus under the direction of Norman Luboff and the music arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. 
Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out, so until next week, goodbye. Friends, remember during the coming week, as always, the American Railroads will provide for you the dependable, low-cost transportation which is so essential to the American way of living. Anything Goes has been presented by special arrangement with Tam's Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae appeared on this program by arrangement with Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the Association of American Railroads. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.